This is us in America. Okay, wait. So us in before the we started the before we started recording, I told you that I have some really juicy, juicy gossip for you. Yeah, and I hypothesize that it has to do it's a Jewish fact. Something interesting to do with Jews. <laughs> because I said juicy. Honestly, like, just give me 20 minutes to parcel through that clue that you definitely gave me. Juicy. Okay, it's either about, is it about Juicy J? Is it about, like, the Jewish people? Is it about rats? Sort of, like, doing some context clues here. No, here's the gossip. Are you ready for this? What do you think it could be? Do you have any idea? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm panicked. I'm in a cold sweat. Okay. I have a bit of a stomach flu, and there's stuff coming out of me really quick. So, okay, I don't think you understand what exactly gossip is. Um, Usually it has to, number one, do with people that are not in the conversation. So you and I, for instance, can't be the subject of it. Two, like, your massive diarrhea. Like, I don't know if I would call that gossip. But three, Juicy was a clue. Yes, yes, it was. So I was on a kind of right track. I just wasn't Jewish. Yeah, but you thought it was about the Jews. <laughs> I would say you were not on the right track at all. Oh, my. Well, I mean, I was definitely dipping my toe into, like, you know, the right room. I just wasn't opening the uh, right door. I'm furious. What did you get a stomach flu from? from? Food poisoning? No. I think it's, I got it from my mom. She's always around these kids, and then she gets sick, and then I get sick. Ugh. I'm actually surprised that being around kids as much as I am, I haven't caught, like, AIDS. Like, I don't know. What do kids <laughs> carry these days? Probably everything. Definitely like, AIDS. Honestly. AIDS, like, from the top. Like, let's start with AIDS and work our way down to, like, stomach <laughs> flu. Like, literally, I'm surprised. I, there was, like, oh. a lice outbreak at the school of the kids that I nanny for. And so I did have to go get, like, tested for lice at this, like, random Ugh. nasty lice office in Midtown. It was Ugh. a it was not easy yeah I bet that it was, was a rough horrible. day it was not easy it was really a not easy but i didn't have lice which was great um but just having to be in that room which was like the sixth floor of one of those like old school midtown buildings where there's like a freight elevator and like it opens into like a windowless like building that would be like a like it would be like where people who were accused of being communists during McCarthyism would like meet up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It just feels really like cut off from the world. And I'm like, um, I am looking for Joanne. And like behind a partition, someone's like, uh, I'm Joanne. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. So I just wanted to see if uh, I could do a walk in lies woman. She's like, sit out. Literally. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, oh. man. So, but I didn't have lice, so say hi. But are you are you disappointed that my gossip was just that I I'm a little bit sick? Yeah, I was kind of hoping it was gonna be that somebody was accused of murder, somebody right. was dead. Um, huh. I wanted some like real, yeah, I wanted something with some weight, some heft. Um, okay. Yeah, I had some theories. I was really hoping that it would be you uncovering that someone under our very nose has been Jewish this whole time. Right. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I don't I was know. Maybe that you pulled out someone's penis and saw. Yeah, the maybe circum, I'm. Moment. When I was a, when my actually one of my brothers when he was a very little boy, uh, mm. my mom used to make us go to like Tuesday afternoon. They called it CCD. It was like Catholic school for 
kids who went to public school. I remember that. Christina Del Nevo would go to CCD. Yeah, Christina Del Nevo went to CCD with me. Anyway, um, yeah, Connor was, he was like, I don't know, eight or maybe younger than that. And he went into CCD and he raised his hand and he said, actually, I'm Jewish, so I don't have to do this. (laughs) That was his, like, way out. So he lied is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I think he legitimately thought they were, that he was Jewish. So I don't know if you can categorize What was it about him that... What was it about him that felt Jewish? Was he always like, ah, now I've no, seen no. everything. No, I th- no. I think he just had a Jewish friend that he would hang out with or something. Oh, my God. Me and Emil are not going to CCD today, guys. Like, right. Me, me and Ezra. Um, that's really cute. I love right. um, the Jewish culture. I love Jewish people. Jewish men, for sure. I love. Um, I just love Jewishness, frankly. Huh. Um is there a reason why you felt like of, you had to say that? Um, yeah, I mean, like, bestiality is, like, not chill. So, like, the <laughs> idea of me, like, being interested in rats is, like, crazy. But, like, I love them oh, okay. and I don't care who knows it. Right. Um, so, but that's just where I'm coming from. Yeah, right. no, I just love the Jewish people. I just think it's, like, really funny that this religion has, like, I mean, does every religion have, like, such a personality sensibility to it, at least in the American sense? Like, when I think of a Jewish person, I think of, like, a real, like, Dolores, what did you just say type of person. Mm. But what's, like, a Christian? Like, ah, oh, like, welcome to our home. Like, please take your shoes off. Or, like, is that, like, a Christian person? Like, yeah, think of, like, a, the whitest person you can think of. Right, like, jello salad is to your right and yes. forks are to your left and the right. door is locked. Like, that yeah. is every Christian person. Everyone's wearing iron shirts, iron shirts and, like, khakis with pleats in them and yes. the women are all in floor length skirts with like their right. hair up because <laughs> they can't show their ankles because it's a sin yeah. i feel like catholic people are just like totally normal but then you look at their hand and they've like branded their hand with a cattle iron so that they wouldn't <laughs> masturbate and that's the only thing <laughs> yeah catholic people are like angry and drunk and then they judge you right <laughs> Right, so that's their person. Honestly, though, tell me the difference between that and a Jewish mom. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Angry, judgmental. The drunk People, is like here yeah. or there, but wine maybe. Manischewitz versus beer. Maybe the maybe the Jewish population is a bit smarter than the Catholic population. Uh, Ooh, yeah. a Fulbright pitch. Should we go research that? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we should. Having, I feel like that's like a, a Bill Maher yeah. documentary. Like, are you stupider than him? Let's yeah. find yeah, out. I feel like Bill Maher would just, yeah, he would just make fun of them the whole time. That wouldn't be entertaining at all. Exactly. And in the end, he'd be like, the answer is they're both dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he would like sexually assault someone. Isn't he like a horn dog? Has, is he? I haven't heard that one, but he, I haven't heard that one. Oh. That H- Howard Stern always bitches this. about, he always bitches about Bill Maher and, Apparently he's kind of a horn dog. The phrase "horn dog" is like a lot for me, but I'm just gonna like <laughs> slide off my back. Um, but yeah, I could kind of see it. I don't know. I could see it in his friggin' faceish daysish. In his crotch, you could see it in his crotch. Yeah, you could see it in the lipstick stain on the crotch of every one of his slacks. Yeah, um, you he's can just tell very when he's like pitching a tent. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, keep sucking. That's my impression of <laughs> Bill Maher. <laughs> On your knees, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Well. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, this isn't going to be an easy transition. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. It's, uh. Hi, guys. It's Rod and Jack. It's been two weeks. I know you've, I know you've missed us. I hope to God you've missed us, because if you haven't, really? Yeah. Really? You're just going to act like you don't miss us. Really? <laughs> this is. <laughs> Hold on. Let me hop onto my motorcycle. Really? It's having trouble starting. Hold on. Really? I think I want to something. Really? You're going to just pretend like you didn't miss us? Really? <laughs> How annoying was that? That was, that was pretty annoying. All right, great. Great way to start episode 82. 82. Um, 82. This is a very special episode. As everyone knows, 82 is um, God's number. Um, I believe 82 so, is the, uh, is the uh, Beachwood anniversary. Is it not? It, oh, is it? Yeah, I think you're right. It's when you give your partner... Um, a rotting piece of beach of beechwood. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you one should be so lucky to be married for eighty two years. But Mm -hmm. um, I think you and Pam should be really excited for the stage in your anniversaries where you're giving each other um rotting materials. Yeah, I think at eighty two. I think at the eighty two year marriage anniversary, it's just like just get me like a heroin or a bullet (laughs) or like. Exina. Yeah, your ninetieth, your ninetieth wedding anniversary is just um e- Ebola. It's yeah. just a pleading for some Ebola. I and ninety first is a sack yeah. of rotten eggs. Yeah. I'd rather <laughs> shit my brains out than stay married to you until I die. Oh, so basically today you're really getting a sense of what that what's, might look what's like. What's to come? Yeah, what's to come? Yeah, huh. definitely. So your juicy gossip is that you're actually having your ninetieth wedding anniversary. God bless. <laughs> um. So we are going to talk about a few things today. We're going to start by talking about David Lynch's return to Twin Peaks, which was actually one of the first things we ever talked about on this podcast. I don't know if you remember. It's true, Juke. I remember. But we were we um, were talking about the 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 the, the announcement that they were going to um, bring it back. No, they're going to bring it back, and mm. it, since then there have been various things that have gone down, including the thought that this might actually not happen. And then it did happen. It happened two Sundays ago with the premiere. Um, so we're going to talk about Twin Peaks. Jackson gave me a little schooling on LeBron James's fake-ass wokeness, which I am very here for. Um, I'm excited to put him in the same class as Katy Perry, as people who are just like, reads like Mike once. I don't know. Um and then we're going to have a quick this, I don't even know, this week in Trump, which is just going to be me breathing heavily. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of weird breathing, <laughs> Twin Peaks is mm. literally back. There's four, they've, there's been two episodes that have aired. It airs every Sunday on Showtime for the next 18 weeks. What? Um, what? 18 yeah. weeks? <laughs> it's 18 episodes. Oh. It's, an, it's 18 because hours. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, 18 episodes. Wow, that's a shit ton. Well, so they're doing it for nine weeks. That's... Because aren't they doing them, like, two episodes at a time? Oh, that's a good question. I Or that's a good... I don't know. I know that um, Showtime released the first four episodes of Twin Peaks all at once. Yeah. The oh, Monday oh, or the did. Sunday that it premiered. So I've been working through it with the batch that they've had. Yeah. So I think for the Fuck. next 
couple of weeks, everything that is, is airing on TV has already been online. But I think after that, it's a week by week thing. I think the finale is in right. September, if I remember correctly. Okay. Do you remember um, what? Do you remember what we talked about when we first talked about Twin Peaks? What you were like? Yeah, I do. Happen? Yes, I, I believe what we said was that we anticipate that people are really excited for it, but they're excited for the wrong reasons because yeah. the show is not going to, and yeah. also just quite literally cannot look and feel the way it did in 1988. Right. And so we were inevitably bracing ourselves for backlash because people think they like the show, but they're actually being precious about something just nostalgic and warm. Were we right? <laughs> I th- well, I think it's funny. I don't think it's getting enough attention for us to be right. I think people just aren't paying attention to it. I think the nicheness of Twin Peaks is definitely proving to still be relevant. I mean, look, I do think that, let me tell you this. Last Saturday, I was at a um, white party in Brooklyn where everybody mm-hmm. was wearing white, and it okay. was a disco tech party. And before that, I went to this little like pregame kiki moment, and it was filled with, a lot of different people of a lot of different ages. And I was talking to a 23-year-old, um, which isn't, like, that young, you know, that much younger than me. But, like, you know, it's a little significant. Um, and he's been watching Twin Peaks. He's been – he'd heard about the revival, and he told me that every day after work he gets really high by himself and has been binging <laughs> the old Twin Peaks. Okay. So, I don't know. I do think it might be getting people – a fresh batch of people on board. But is Twin Peaks going to ever be – the zeitgeist dominating show, I don't know. But you know what's crazy is that it was when it was on TV. Like yeah, yeah. that's I think the crazier thing about Twin Peaks that I obviously popular, didn't realize because right? I wasn't even born. It was very popular, which really blows my mind because I think like in my head I always thought that it was a cult classic. But like Kyle McLaughlin, like um, he like hosted Saturday Night Live, like the sort of looks of Twin Peaks became, mm. like, really popular. Um, there was, like, a real... I think, like, the devotion to it was a type of fandom that we today attribute to being sort of niche because it was obsessive in a way that people were not about television. Yeah. But there was also just people watching it, like, in- incredibly wide, like, a large amounts of people watching it, which, like, surprises me. I don't think that's happening in the same way now, but also, like, how can anyone tell anymore? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I mean, what did you? Th- I mean, compared to season one, the the pilot of season one, like these episodes aren't the first three episodes. Fi- it's just like it's just the episode, the pilot episode was so good, and the new revival episodes, the first three of them at least, feel like it's David Lynch just kind of like giving the middle finger to everybody. Don't you think it's rough? It, they're it's definitely like kind of so rough. hard to get through. What about it is hard for you? Because I, I, I'm just curious about sort of what the experience. Because this is the really interesting thing about it. The experience of watching it is so unique. But like, yeah, what, it, what, what does it felt like? A slog. It, just, it do, yeah, it feels like there's. It feels like a slog. It feels like there's not really any semblance of a narrative or like a, a very weak. I wouldn't say weak, but just kind of. We don't. We're not really getting a whole picture. So I could be. You know, maybe in a couple of episodes it'll start to pick up. Right. But it just kind of feels like it's a lot of little vignettes into little scenes that may or may not be connected to each other. And right. plus, do you remember the scene where, I mean, the whole thing where Kyle McLaughlin is is like a, a different person and he's like in yes. two different places. And then there's the whole. He's like, Bob. Yeah. The, oh, that's. Yeah. He's Bob. 
but then like he's in that weird curtain. Is that the Black Lodge? The curtain room with the black with the yes, floor? Yes, the black the red room is inside of the Black Lodge. He's inside of the Black Lodge? Yes. Okay, so what why okay, so when he like goes to leave, what's that that whole episode is just him like floating through space. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I, of that? course I remember. I, <laughs> I'm sure you like, Wait, I'm, can sure, we, I'm, I'm can sure we... you love it because you're a huge David Lynch person. But for me, I, I feel like I need a little bit more of a narrative to really enjoy. Right, fair. What about the, before, right, before I get into it, we start talking about, just what about the, the like skeletal tree branch yeah, with like yeah. a flesh head? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. What is he, he says his name is Arm or something. That arm, well, arm is the name of that um, that um, that midget, that like little person oh. in the original show. Okay. So that is like a reincarnated version of um, the midge from the oh. original. The very who's like very famous. I would say he's like him, the giant, Laura Palmer, and Kyle, and like the log lady are like five of the most like immediately iconic, visually speaking, people on the show. Yeah. Um, and I I think that guy died, so they just sort of like reconfigured him, which is like sweet. I mean, it's it's hard to get through. I'm going to be honest. It's really hard. But I mean, I guess, so did you watch the original? You did, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I stopped like- All the way through? No, I stopped halfway through season two. Like right where people oh, say Oh, you never stop. finished season two. I didn't finish season two. I see, I see. You stopped when David Lynch and Mark Frost left the show. I think so, about that time. I got, there was a point at which there was this weird story about- you know, that uh, mopey motorcycle kid, James, who is in this series? Yes. He, like, has some He's, like, in a coma? Aff- yeah, yeah. And he has some weird affair with, like, uh, an old lady. And at that point, I was like, eh, I'm good. Right. Yeah, I mean, the show, at a certain point, so for, the pe- for, for people who don't know, though, is there anyone who doesn't know? Maybe. Like, a quick rundown of, like, should we explain what Twin Peaks even is or should we just assume that earth knows i mean it's kind of hard to tell it's like about a it's about like a murder mystery i mean it is a murder mystery sort of yeah sort of the prompting of yeah the catalyst for the story is the murder of like this um hometown kind of prom queen girl next door figure named laura palmer she's found washed ashore wrapped in a plastic bag and this guy agent dale cooper comes up to twin peaks from the fbi to investigate this person's murder, and in doing so, um, both he and mostly us, actually, we sort of see the lives of the other residents of Twin Peaks and sort of, like, the interconnectedness of all these people and, like, the tensions, and the show sort of borrows a lot in a way that is missing from the new series. Um, The show borrows a lot from soap operas. Like, it has this sort of... um, this really string heavy score that comes and goes and is sort of like dopey and like campy and silly. And then is really like melodramatic at times. And it's sort of like playing around with all those genres and everyone sort of has their own story. Dale's is really specifically with Laura Palmer. Dale Cooper, the FBI agent also has like psychic flashes um, as we learned that Laura Palmer also does. And so they connect in this sort of like cerebral dreamlike way as he tries to solve the mystery. And then just, like, the show gets really weird, and there's just, like, a lot of very, very, very bizarre things that happen, including an evil spirit named Bob who haunts Twin Peaks and may or may not be responsible for Laura's murder. Um, Everyone should watch it. So David Lynch's original vision for the show was, I don't know if you know this, but, like, was to actually never solve Laura Palmer's murder and to stretch it out forever. Mm -hmm. And at, like, the behest of the network... 
um, they ended up solving that murder halfway through season two, which I imagine is sort of when you stopped watching, which Mm -hmm. is also when most people say to stop watching. And after that, the show sort of like becomes a little like wacky and weird. And I don't know, it it becomes a kind of different show, but it still is sort of the same show. It just doesn't feel as Lynchian. But the show ends, this, this revival, which is called Twin Peaks, The Return, picks up, um, picks up having, picks up with what happens at the end of the last episode of Twin Peaks, even though David Lynch feasibly has nothing to do with that finale. So they do at least honor, like, the trajectory of the original show. Somewhere. What happened at the end of the last episode? A, Kyle MacLachlan gets sucked so into the, the Black Lodge? What happens at the end of the episode, I, should I spoil it, or should I allow spoil it. people to... <laughs> no. Okay, so... I won't. I won't spoil who oh, kills Laura Palmer, which we do figure out like yeah, episodes yeah. before. It's actually, it's actually not really relevant. Um, but in the very last shot, the very last scene of the last episode, um, the spirit of Bob, um, which we've learned possesses different people and possesses one person in specific who may or may not be responsible for Laura's murder. Um, Bob enters the body of Dale, and when and Dale Cooper is now stuck in the Black Lodge, which is this sort of like nebulous nether region um that is aesthetically designed with like a red it's like a very the very famous image of like the velvet red curtain and the black and white sort of zigzagged floor pattern and the couch like that is this space and now bob is inhabiting dale's body in the real world while dale cooper remains in the black lodge and the last shot is dale cooper staring at the mirror and like smashing his head against the mirror and then we see Bob's reflection in the mirror and then mm. both of them turn and stare at the camera as like blood comes like trickling down their forehead and then it like ends creepy so that's like the it's very creepy it's a pretty great last scene and like for as much as people hate the last like leg of Twin Peaks that final shot is like always part of the canon of imagery from the show that like gets circulated a lot because it is really important and one of the one of the things that happens in Twin Peaks that is also really brilliant and like I never thought any I never thought we would see this fall through is that there is a very like famous scene in which Laura Palmer like visits Dale Cooper in a dream and she mm. says yeah um in that, 25 years this um, will happen again she, yes I will see you again in 25 years and then she snaps mm. um so this is in 1988 I think this happens in 1990 so or 1991 because I guess it's the end of the second season around the time when she says that. So we're six, we're um, 26 years after the show ended. Um, but this was filmed like pretty much wrapped up last year. So literally by some miracle, the show literally picks up 25 years later. I don't know how, like, I don't know. I don't, this is the thing I love about David Lynch, which is that like, he does not make things unless like the creative spirit like moves him in some way. And mm-hmm. I, for one, never thought we'd get more David Lynch anything. Like, at least not in terms of like v- film and TV. Like, I really thought he was done with this medium, this art form. He's like a true artist to me. And like, he's not even like a filmmaker. He's just like, film is like one of the many mediums he's chosen to like create with. And so the fact that like 25 years later, he's like revisiting this thing because it's like, the creative spirit of this show has like infiltrated his body again to me is like so special. Like I just can't, it makes me trust his vision so much because I, he's not the type of dude to be like precious or to even like do this to like appease people. And I don't know. He's sort of, as we can see from the show, like sort of alienating. So like this new series doesn't have any of the soap opera, right? Like it has none of the warmth (laughs) and the, 
the campiness. And it's definitely like sort of hard to watch. It, it meanders. And most intensely, it leaves Twin Peaks a lot. Like it's not yeah. always in Twin Peaks. We're in New York. We're in South Dakota. We're in Vegas. Where else have we been? Vegas. Vegas. Oh my God. Wait. Yes. Vegas. Um, which I really relate to as a horror zone as someone who spent a lot of time there. Oh yeah. So, Um, okay. Okay. Wait. Well, I guess I can't ask you. I was going to ask you. Why? You know, the scene in the, in episode three where Kyle McLaughlin plays a character who's visiting a black prostitute. Yeah. I I don't know who that is. (laughs) Yeah. Why is that? Why is Kyle McLaughlin playing that guy too? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think we will know. Oh, maybe that's. I don't think we'll ever see that guy again. They do specifically talk about doppelganger, right? They do talk about doppelgangers. Bob is, we see Bob and he's a separate person. There's also a disgusting vomit scene. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, so that was how I thought I was going to be this afternoon when I woke up today at 4 a.m. with, with <laughs> the shits. Ew, that like yellow ass, <laughs> like gnarly ass. Oh my God. I'm surprised so that hasn't fucking been gifted. Why haven't we gift that? That was. Why haven't we gift that? Like, literally, like, me when I turn on Twitter in the morning. Like, oh! <laughs> I need to gift it. It's so fucking disgusting. Yeah. Um, but in the new show, we've seen a lot of people again. We've seen the lo- we've seen the log lady. We've seen the sheriff. Um, we've even seen Laura Palmer. No, like, we haven't already, seen the sheriff. Which is, like... We haven't seen the sheriff? We've seen the deputy sheriff, Hawk. Yes, sorry. We've seen the deputy sheriff, Hawk. Yes, yes, yes. We haven't seen right. Hank. Well, uh, but, he's, but he's... He but dead? he's the sheriff now, right? Hawk? Is he not? He's I don't know. Deputy they sheriff? keep calling him deputy sheriff. Mm, okay, yeah. Maybe he's still deputy sheriff then. Um, he just seems like so in charge. But mm. um, un- unless deputy sheriff means you're in charge and sheriff is like a less. I actually don't know what the rankings are. Deputy is like second in charge. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so are you're not enjoying watching it. I haven't gotten a sense of if people are enjoying are enjoying it. I think people know to surrender at least somewhat. Yeah. Um, And I would hope that people know that, like, Twin Peaks is, like, so removed from any of the kind of, like, the type of conversation that we have about TV nowadays. Like, it literally is almost, like, impossible to... Like, Twin Peaks, like, birthed this whole type of TV watching, which is, like, obsessive, clue-oriented, analysis-driven, like, before this was a thing. Yeah. But it also is, like, defies all that. Like, how do you recap these episodes? Like, right. what does a t- Vulture TV recap even look like? I haven't even thought to read one, you know? How do you have any, you know, having any expectations is, like, a faux pas. I think it's, like, everyone knows better than to be, like, it's not answering questions or it's not, like, the original. Like, you really, I really not love me. how he demands you sort of, you're pissed. I'm pissed. I mean, I don't know. I kind of like I kind of like this a little just as much. I don't like it more, but I like it just as much. Look, I loved David Lynch's Blue Velvet. I thought that was a really great creepy uh film. Very great. Of the David I'm I'm going to go through the David Lynch films that I've seen. Mulholland Drive. Yes. Creepy. I'm not going to lie, didn't get it. Genius. Also, not gonna but lie, his was it's kind his of bored at some points. Really, by Mulholland Drive? Yeah. This has more in common with Mulholland Drive for sure, though. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. There's definitely like, it, it'll just like go off, and you're like, I have no idea where this is going. Um, 
So, I mean, it's maybe it's just me and my relationship, my own personal relationship with Mr. David Lynch. Maybe I just am not a big well, I Lynch mean, guy. Mulholland Drive and the film that followed that, Inland Empire, which came out in 2006 and was his last film, um, this has the, this is the most, like, Inland Empire. Um, yeah. Inland Empire has the same kind of really, like, almost like the same meandering and the same sort of, like, harshness. Like, there's a way in which, like, the sort of, the way that the show meanders feels really, um, it just has, like, this really throbbing energy to it where I find it really almost, like, hard to watch even when nothing's happening. It just feels really, like, cold and... Um, while the original Twin Peaks has a lot more in common with Blue Velvet, like it has this sort of, um, romanticness. It's really, it has these sort of like flourishes of the fifties and sixties and there's dialogue sort of like there's dialogue. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, he's becoming a filmmaker who is more becoming more and more experimental with, um, with the medium of film. And I think like there was no part of me that went into Twin Peaks thinking he would do any, that he would go back to a certain way. But I guess I didn't anticipate that he would, you know, do this in the way that he's doing it. But at the same time, like, they didn't film this week by week. They filmed, you know, Twin Peaks is, like, wrapped filming. This was, yeah. like, 18 hours of fil- of story that they filmed as an 18-hour film. And in the editing process, broke it up into quote-unquote episodes. And so... It's not going to, it doesn't feel like a TV show really because it's not a TV show. You know, it was never filmed that way. So I don't know. I think it's like a really interesting experiment. And I think it's just really intense that he's experimenting with a property that people have a real connection with. But Mm -hmm. I think that that's like a really noble risk. And I think people are really precious, like too precious with things. And if you're like a real auteur, like this is his vision and I'm pretty excited for it. And I kind of think we're going to keep checking back. I think we should keep checking back in on it because okay. um, it's definitely getting very, it's getting crazier. It's not necessarily, I can't tell where it's going. Um, but I will say the other, this past Sunday before watching all of these, um, catching up on like the new Twin Peaks on Monday, Memorial Day, um, I watched Firewalk With Me, the mm, yes. film that he directed in 94 which is a prequel to the original Twin Peaks show. Um, and it wasn't filmed that long after the show wrapped, but it, it it chronicles like the last seven days in the life of Laura Palmer. And before that, it has this sort of like prologue before it of like another murder that brings like a different FBI agent up to Twin Peaks to investigate. And there's a lot of like parallels and then the movie just becomes about Laura Palmer. And mm. that show, or that film actually tonally is a really interesting bridge between the old Twin Peaks and the new one in that it is much more intense because it was a film and not on network TV, so it's more violent and it's Mm -hmm. more explicit and it feels much darker. And I can feel certain elements of this new show sort of... I can feel, first of all, story beats, like actual things that happen in that film. I think think that film is going to telegraph a lot of where the direction of this new show is. So if people who have watched Twin Peaks are sort of deciding whether they should revisit or if people who want to watch the new Twin Peaks but, like, have not watched the old one, I actually suggest, like, watching the film before watching the new one, before watching the new show, more than anything. I think it's a much more interesting bridge to draw, personally. And then to, of course, watch the original when and if you can. But, yeah, you should check out the movie. It's really interesting. I say that you all, our audience, shouldn't watch the new Twin Peaks because it is Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Wait, so does that mean you're not going to keep watching? No, I'll keep watching. I'm too far in. Yeah, you will. You talk- you you have to do it. You're in too deep. Look, I'm just episodes. talking. Sh- I'm just talking shit. I'm just talking shit. I'm- I want you to talk shit. I want. Yeah. I want it. Okay. I want well, you to go in. I want you to tell the truth. This is supposed to be divisive. Yeah. And there I will hope. be episodes I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be a really I, for one, one with like a story and like an ending in the middle and like the character has some kind of development and you'll trash it. Yeah. Like, I don't think so. But how amazing would that be, though, if in the middle of this like weird, like completely incomprehensible show, there's one episode with a really traditional narrative arc. I mean, like yeah. that could happen. Like, sure. we don't know anything about what the show, where the show's, show is going and like even though I don't necessarily enjoy the process of watching it the way I do with like a lot of other auteur works. Um, I love the not knowing, like I really like just surrendering. I don't get that a lot. I don't know. Do you, I don't get that feeling that much. Like I would, I mean, that's what I loved about Mad Men for sure. It was to a much less um, grueling degree than Twin Peaks, but that was another show where I was watching it with a real sense that, like, I really don't know what's going on or, like, what could happen. I can't really telegraph where the show's going, and I really enjoy that feeling, and I feel like it's really rare. So I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, I mean, Mad Men obviously is less so than Twin Peaks. And you didn't Much less so. It's still more confined to narrative. But it could go but it but I mean that in the sense that like Mad Men felt while you were watching it like it could do anything. You know what I mean? Like it could jump six years, it could tell an entire episode uh, in real time, it could all be a dream. And it would all be contained in this like really completely rational drama. Okay, have you seen have and, you seen the Sopranos? Um, I've seen some of The Sopranos, but I haven't seen the portions of it that Matthew Weiner, I believe, like was on, which is very similar towards the end, right? Well, in the at the end of The Sopranos, <clears throat> I won't. I'll try not to give too much away, but there's a scene. There's like a couple whole episodes, and they're hour long episodes where like Tony's in this coma, and it's very much like I find those episodes super frustrating because he's just it's just him experiencing weird shit inside of his brain and like it's all kind Mm. of you know allegorical and and like he sees crazy shit and it's supposed to be like a metaphor for his life or whatever and he's just kind of wandering around Mm. um interesting and those episodes to me are like the worst of the series because they're just so like it just feels like so meandering so yeah so meandering and there's no like linear progression of the character of the story which is frustrating but i mean like that is frustrating, but I mean, I think like I can, I can watch. Look, I haven't seen these episodes, and I'm not gonna just. There's no way I can just say right now, like, oh, that sounds like I would love it. Like, it matters, like, what the actual like quality of the episode is. But I more like love shows that take the risk and feel like they've earned the right to even do that to begin with. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the failures of those episodes are pro- can be like absolute. It's like fifty fifty. Like it could be good, it could be bad. Mm-hmm. But like most shows don't even go there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. It's sort of. I just think that like these types of shows, like like The Sopranos, like Mad Men, like Twin Peaks, sort of like make a case for a television being like one body of work. You know, like it's meant to be seen as an entire thing, not episode by episode. And the failures of stories are like the story beats in a film and. You know, there's no sort of way to get around that. And if it is a show that's broken, that's really like 
broken up into like episode, episode, episode. Like that to me isn't an art. That's not an art form. <laughs> and I just don't, don't have the same level of respect on. for it. Oh my No, God. I don't think it is. I don't think form. it is. I don't think like an episode, episodic show is like, it ne- if it never feels like complete, if it never feels like it's going into a direction, I don't think that that's like an art. I don't. Uh, I don't think that it works like that. But it also doesn't mean that, like, any episode that, like, takes a risk is automatically good just because it's taking a risk. Like, those risks fail, like, often, for sure. I mean, Mad Men has, like, huge beats that just don't work for me. But I just like that that show just takes those risks. And I think that, like, Twin Peaks is, like, the, like, zenith, like, the extreme of that, where it's all risk and, like, all reward or failure. But I just think it's, like, audacious and, like, tight to be so ridiculous. I think the ability to craft a logical story uh, with uh, character development and uh, all that stuff is, is an art. I don't care what you say. I believe that authors No, are I think artists. so too. Okay, what's an example? What's an example of that? What is like an example of like a show that does like crazy that do, that doesn't do crazy things but that is what is it? Like Married with Children. No, I mean I don't think these two say what? What is it? Married with children, that, that sitcom. I think that's art. Married with children? Yeah, yeah. Sitcom, comedy. Seinfeld. Do you think Seinfeld's art? Do I think Seinfeld is an art? I don't I don't know if I would I don't know if I would consider it an art. No, mm. I don't think mm. I would. Mm. And I love right. it. And I literally like love Seinfeld. What about X Files? I mean I Um well see, X Files is a show with like a really long reaching arc. I don't know if I would consider it an art because I haven't seen all of it, but I don't know. I mean, I can consider Seinfeld to be in the canon of important television shows, but, like, in terms of, like, what I think an art, like, a piece of art is, I mean, like, what are what are experiments that, like, Seinfeld felt like it could get away with? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Can Sein- anything in front of a studio audience be art? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's performance mm. art, technically. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, look, Maybe you're, getting into, children, you're getting into... At most, some- is performance art. You're getting into some iffy territory right here, my friend, and you will Wait, die also, alone. Also, since on this when island. do you like? Since when do you love Married with Children? No, I don't. <laughs> since but when I is think, that like your show? No, 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 it's not. It's not. But I think my point is like the people Married with Children might suck, but the people who worked on Married with Children and created it are like very smart and know comedy better than I ever could. And I don't know. To me, it's just. Uh, you know, that takes effort and skill. And I think so- someone, a crew of people who were able to put together uh, like a film for <clears throat> a film or a or a TV show for that long and entertain that many people. I think that's art. I do. I, I mean, I agree that it's I agree that it's good work. Look, New Girl is like, I think, a really well written show. And I don't watch it a lot. But every time I do, I'm like, this is like a really well done show. Like the script is tight. The jokes are good. Like it's well edited. Like the entire product is like. I'm just always really impressed by it, but I don't feel like New Girl is art. I just don't. I don't know. And I just, and I don't say that with disrespect to entertainment, like really, really good entertainment, but I say it with a real sort of respect and expectation of what art is to me, which is like meant to be sort of like challenging and meant to sort of um, break out of like whatever parameters the medium sets and that it sets for itself just by 
existing. Like, art, I think, is just a more interesting... It's just not a word I throw around. It's the same way I wouldn't throw, like, genius around. Like, I just think that, like, these things have really specific... Not rules, but a certain sense of criteria. And I'd, I would not want to be disrespectful and say that, like, people who work on these shows are, like, not artists. But I would wonder if, like, they're going into this feeling that they have to be. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if they do. But... And I think if they were really offended by me saying this show is an art, I would be... I would understand why it hurt their feelings, but it'd also be like, really? Like, would you, you apologize? Like, you, you think you're me- I would apologize for hurting their feelings. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I would. I think I would. I mean, I would stand by it because I don't use the term art like like loosely. Mm. I don't I think it's call, just like there is like a time and place. Would you call LeBron James an artist? Um, I you know what? I don't have the um the experience or the know-all to say, but I'll tell you this, from what I've gathered, it seems like people in the sports community consider him an artist. Would you like to prove them wrong? Ah, I don't want to prove them wrong. I think LeBron James is is one of the best basketball players ever on the face of the earth that's ever walked the earth. However. 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 It just seems lately that he's kind of been getting a a whole lot of a whole lot of uh, credit for, you know, it's, look, me just talking about this right now, I, I am shaking my head at myself because the guy is like. Tell me, I want to hear it. Is he Kaepernicking or people like. No, he's not Kaepernicking. No, he's not trying to be woke like that. But he's like, it's almost like he's reaping the benefits of someone who is like that. Like LeBron James doesn't yes. talk about social issues or political issues or whatever. And people are putting him in the, in the same class as like. Yeah, Kaepernick or Serena Williams or or whatever. And this dude, he's just a basketball machine. That's all he does. He has like Right. He's he's a basketball machine and he's a he, he's a world class businessman. And uh, you know, I just am frustrated with the kind of coverage and, and if the if the Cavs beat the Warriors and win the title this year, he it's people are gonna be talking about him and he's gonna have the same kind of like exposure as, as Michael Jordan. People are so that ready is to, frustrating. People are so ready to dub him the greatest ever that it's like incredible how how ready they're ready to jump off Michael ship. But also, Mike was Mike Michael Jordan wasn't considered political, was he? He was no, like pretty absolutely not. No, he, he was, was almost so OJ like. Hell no, hell no, hell no. He wasn't political. He was yeah. about as political. He was as, like he, as he, he was like non racial in his in his ideal world. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, I mean, LeBron did, like, endorse Hillary or whatever, but he's from, like, fucking... I mean, Ohio. that is he's not from, enough for me. <laughs> dude, his, his... The owner of the Cavs is, like, a hardcore Trump guy. Uh, so many of their fans he's from are, Ohio. Like, huge Trump people. Yeah. I mean, it's just, right. like, dude... And they, know. what, have not turned on him? It's just stupid. People are so... The, all the woke people are rooting for the Cavs, and it's frustrating because, like, the Warriors talk about political issues all the time. Steve Kerr always talks about it. Draymond's super, uh, like, loud about it. Even Steph Curry says stuff, and he's, like, a huge brand. You can't, like, piss people off if you're a brand like that. It's just frustrating how everyone wants the Warriors to lose. And I'm I'm ready for them to not lose, so I'm just going to be laughing at the end of this uh, finals series. Yeah, why do you think it is that, like, there is this sort of um, lifespan of, like, a sports darling where it's, like, they build you up to tear you down, but then at a certain point, they bend over backwards to build you up forever. Like, yeah. what is that about? Like, it feels like Steph Curry was, like, beloved, then it's just, like, oh, he's trash, and, like, 
But then, like, what? People if hate in, him like, now. four years, he's still great, people are going to be like, shut up, he's the best that ever lived. Yeah, like, you have yeah. to endure the worst to then exactly. be the best again. Exactly. That's what happened. That's an insane, insane roller coaster. That's, that's an insane ha- narrative. I really with, don't understand. I reject that. That's what happened well. with LeBron. And LeBron did the exact same thing. LeBron, like, LeBron was, I mean, he's from Cleveland. He, like, was born and raised there. He got drafted by the Cavs. He took a terrible team, made them really great. He made a he made a finals lost. Then he like had trouble getting back to the championship. Then eventually he like got frustrated and left. And then everyone fucking hated him. And then when he was right, in Miami, he won a bunch of championships. And then everyone chilled out. And then he went back to Cleveland. And now he's like, he's got like the world's biggest dick. And everyone's just like ready for the for the little LeBron sperms to like land on their face. I literally can't. One with the visual and two just in general. I mean, yeah. I Everyone's just waiting think for that, that like everyone loves that. That whole story is crazy. I mean, sportsmans are sort of like gay men in that way. Like they almost like love their figures to be like martyrs for a minute so that they can then be like survivors and treasured for like the rest of their lives. You That's know what true. I mean? Like yeah. it's so funny. And I think it just proves that like, you know, you attribute like, you know, sports fans is having a certain type of like love for their their th- their craft and like the thing they care about and then like fans of like pop music to be like one thing and like the fans of this uh, to be another so thing and it's like at the end of the day like everyone is just acting on emotions like it's all emotions it's all about like just hitching your wagon to the thing that makes you feel a certain way and like it's just so funny to keep creating these dividing lines as if these fandoms are really that different like some straight guy like blacked out from a tailgate screaming for LeBron doesn't really look that different in terms of optics from some like 14 year old screaming at Harry Styles. Like they're very similar. The stupid thing is the fandom because all the people who are now like, like LeBron's biggest fucking defenders four years ago, they were like ready to, to, to like kill him and boo him and they hated him. So it's just kind of funny. I can't. I'm frustrated. And I also, do you think that, like, is it enough to just be a, like, black person of note and just, like, exist publicly and then just be deemed, like, political just by virtue of, like, being alive? I don't know. It's not really my place to say Uh, whether or not that's true. But I I do feel like sometimes that's the case where it's like, oh, they're just, like, doing this thing and, like, they're doing it in this time in which it is very, like, political and, like, you're being policed in your blackness and, like... Just by oh. being great at this, you're like well. Here's you're it's, a, it's actually a protest. Like really, this is like a this is like a something that happened actually recently. I don't know if you saw this. LeBron's home in Brentwood. He lives. He has a home in uh, Los Angeles in Brentwood, and apparently it was like spray mm-hmm. painted with the N word, like super big. Yes, and two days like, ago, he was like, he was like, like, what can I tell you? It's tough being black in America, which is like should be an apolitical statement. That's just kind of a fact at this point, right? I mean, you would think, right? And of course, like. Everyone on Twitter was like, you can't just be happy for the country that gave you this wealth and blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, Jesus. Right. Holy right. shit. Yeah, no one can do... I mean, fans are ridiculous and, like, I don't know. It's It always just goes back to, like, the same optic that, like, made me so angry about, like, that Floyd Mayweather fight, like, all, like, a couple years ago. Like, him and, and the same thing that, with, yeah. like, Kaepernick. And, yeah, yeah, him and Manny and, like, and then LeBron, like, there is just this, like, dance boy danceness with these, like, people. And so, like, 
the idea that like shut up like you have all of this like how dare you it's like you know what he doesn't work for you it's ridiculous like he he does not work for you he is not yeah the idea that fans gave him stuff and like the league gave him stuff and the the nation gave him stuff is absurd because lebron earned right he didn't fucking get it it wasn't a gift right Anyway. It's always a miracle. It's always a miracle. I mean, I think that in some way is like, it's like, I just wish we could separate this idea that LeBron is like woke from this idea that like LeBron is an example of like the black American miracle, which is like through this adversity that feels so all encompassing to become an Oprah or a Beyonce or a Michael Jackson to some degree or a Michael Jordan or a LeBron is like some type of, of miracle. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I'm not going to like look at LeBron and then tell someone like, yeah, this is like a very important like political figure in our climate right now. Like I'm not, he's not, he doesn't seem he's woke. To, I don't know anything don't about his wokeness is. to me, but, but I think just by virtue of him existing, like that is something worth celebrating, but like, let's save this idea of what it means to be politically radical or active for people that are actually doing things. I mean, like, well, God I, damn, I, like maybe Kaepernick's like kneeling was not even that big of a deal. He's not, no, me, but he's it was definitely still not great. even, I think LeBron would even say that he's not political activist on the level of Colin Kaepernick, certainly. Maybe I misspoke when I said wokeness. I just kind of am frustrated with the fandom around LeBron and how people are ready to, like, ascend him to, like, one of the cultural, like, pillars of, like, what it is to be, like, a, I don't know, progressive American. It's like, mm, right, right. Beyonce, you, like think bernie sanders is cool and like you think lebron james is the greatest basketball player ever right it's like a checklist yeah kind of i don't know that's frustrating i don't see him i don't think he's he's representative of anything but yeah i mean i would say that he's definitely not like politically motivated person at all i mean he's never really talked about politics that much he's he's like kind of a like anybody who regularly like follows LeBron in the media and reads like his press conferences and listens to him talk, he's kind of like just a goofy guy who wants to have fun and like be good at basketball and make money. I mean, he, he definitely seems like a smart dude. I'm just not sure that his, like his priorities lie in like the political world. Like, you know, he never talks about Trump. He doesn't talk about like how crazy the shit in the white house is. He doesn't do any of that. Right. When meanwhile the Warriors right, right. do, and people like, people still fucking hate them. Stupid. It's so insane. It's so insane. I mean, yeah, I don't know. And even though the Warriors are giving you a narrative, they went from being the worst to being like the best. Like that's a story. That's like a literal sports like fairy tale. I don't yeah. know why are why they're being hate exempt them. from. No, from they hate them. They hate them because they like almost they. They were they're super cocky. They almost uh, won the championship last year after having like a record breaking regular season, and then like instead of bring, coming back with like their same team, they they like went out and got like the best player in the world. And so now people are just like, "Oh, dude, that's you ruined it. It was gonna be cool, and then the Warriors like ruined it by getting the best player like available." And so everyone wants to see them leave I because see. they're kind of the favored team. Because and that and that get just felt sort of like cheating or something. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, y'all sports fans are so extra. Yeah. <laughs> so extra. I almost, I love it. Y'all are like, there could be like a real housewives of sports fans. Like everyone is care. just so insane. I hope, I hope the Warriors fucking steamroll the, the NBA Me for the too. next 10 years. Me too. I would love that. I would love that. 
Um, great. Well, LeBron, God bless. Good luck to our Warriors, that is. And yeah. I hope, yeah, I hope they win. Me too. LeBron doesn't need anything else. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> That's, yeah, like, where I'm going to end it. He doesn't need anything else. We're good. Like, we are good. LeBron is fine. Like, he has the greatest vine of all time. That alone is better than anything yeah. else, any award. Chill out. He's LeBron been to seven straight James. finals. No one's ever done that. He's got the kid who goes, LeBron James. What more do you need? LeBron yeah. James. What more LeBron do you need? James. Okay. Um... Okay, we need to quickly get to our devil tongue because she's killing me. <laughs> devil tongue, right? You know, who. Do, you, do you wait? Do you want us quickly do the Trump of the week thing? Do you want to? Oh sit? yes! Oh my god! It's almost like impossible. Yeah, let's give a quick. You know what? I think like it's more just like a Trump, like like bulletin, Trump notification. Yeah, Trump bulletin. So what's good with this bitch this week? Um, the Paris climate okay, thing. So we're the only country along with. Syria, who's in the midst of a horrible, horrible civil war, and some country, a country in Central America who aren't in the Paris Agreement, as of right now. Yes, as of right now. He has not officially pulled out as of the time of this recording, but, um, and with Trump, like, anything can happen in the last oh, minute. Dude. Like, it almost you know is funny? not, isn't, what? Okay, okay, so in the, I just read this before getting on the air, but apparently, like, the CEOs of like every top uh, Fortune fifty company in the United States is writing Donald Trump like a personalized note to plead with him to not pull out of the Paris uh, whatever environmental accord climate change thing. And I guarantee you that was just like that was his thing the whole time. He's just like I want attention from like people who matter. So if I do something that people don't like, everyone's gonna write me a nice little personalized note, and I'll feel good about myself. Oh my God! He just wants a signed note from Elon Musk. Yeah. This dude is such a nightmare. He's such... You're probably right. I mean, like, even if he doesn't have the ability to put together a plan that dastardly, like, that is absolutely, like, probably where the impulse to even, like, do this is coming from. Like, he probably operates so exclusively from a place of, like, ego and needing his ego stroke that so he doesn't even realize that that's where he's coming from, and it totally is. Yeah. It's, like, completely subconscious. Yeah, I bet. I bet he's just, like... And I mean, like... We have to remember the thing that I keep trying to get myself to remember that brings me like a type of joy, but not like really, is that all Trump wants really is the respect of other rich and powerful people. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that is what is so scary because Russia's ability to like play him like a puppet has just come from the fact that like Vladimir Putin, who is someone that Trump has like admiration for, not in a political sense, but just as someone with wealth, like he yeah. does not care about like what he's done to civil liberties or like what he thinks about human rights. He is just looking at him almost as a businessman who runs the business of Russia. He likes the compliments that he's gotten from this guy, and so that's it. And so like, yeah, he probably loves that he finally has like the attention and like possible affection of these like millionaires who, for the most part, like always have and always will think he's a joke. Like the people who really love him aren't rich, smart people. Yeah, <laughs> like. Can we just say it? Like, that's kind of, like, the devastating thing, that when this is all over, like, he's going to be much richer, which I can't even, like, think about. But, like, it's not going to be the part of the country he cares about that's going to, like, continue to, like, love him. Yeah, yeah. And I hope uh, yeah. he sleeps well with these, like, fucking letters. Ugh. <laughs> so, anyway, so there's that. Kill him. And then there's the whole confeffy thing, and then, or confeffy, or whatever, how the fuck you say it. It's not even a word. He can't even to, say it. He tried to say coverage and then woke up and realized he made a mistake. Then he deleted his tweet and then he wrote another thing making it sound like Feffy is like a 
uh, a word, and then Sean Spicer like defended He's such it. a loser. He's, so, He's so such lame. a loser. Yeah. Oh my god! And fucking Sean Spicer being like, he knew exactly what he yeah. was saying, and all of his friends did too. Like Sean, you're literally not his friend. He doesn't care yeah. about you. Like you are yeah. such did a you, loser too. Like, did you see that Sean Spicer, who's a devout devout Catholic, like Trump, left him off the visitation to the Pope the Pope list? list. <laughs> it's so funny. He's so petty. I honestly feel like Sean Spicer, like every, he's like being, every time Trump like is mean to him, he comes back with like, more, with like more desire to like please yeah. him. Oh, totally. Like he's really found his, is Igor in, in Sean Spicer. It's yeah, totally. so sad. What's, what's amazing is that like for so long, like I used to look at like presidential administrations as like, I mean, I was younger. Yes. But I also think it just speaks to the administrations. Like I would look at these people and be like, these are people, these are like ciphers. Like these people have an intelligence and an awareness and like a sort of like sense of being that I just like can't read or understand. And then like, I look at this administration. I'm like, I have met all you motherfuckers at different points in my life, in high school, in college, at a Starbucks, on the street. Like, I know exactly who Sean Spicer is. I definitely know who Trump is. I know who Kellyanne is. Like, I know these people so well. And Sean Spicer is so pathetic. Like, he's doing, like, the bidding of, like, the mean kid at school, even though he, he's literally like Gretchen Wieners. Like, it would, he'd rather be, like, in the plastics hating life than not in the plastics. Like, that is, I really think, his, his, like, suffering. Ugh. Like, defending an autocorrect, babe, like, this is what your life has come to, standing in front of the free press and saying, yeah, um, kafefi is a word, um, and we know what it is, and a you know, so. A small group of the president's uh, consigliaries, him, they all know what it means. Know it. Yeah. And you, and you know that he's like, he probably believes that too. He's like, I don't know what it means, but I'm not in that special group. Trump told me that, you know, maybe right. one day I can be, and then he'll tell me what it means. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, for now, I know that like six people for sure, I think, know what that word means. So right. I'm like, oh. Trump is the, Trump is the kid who tricks Sean Spicer into joining the pen club and gives Sean Spicer pen 15. And then Sean Spicer thinks that he's the pe- the 15th member of the pen club. When really he's walking around one, with a penis tattoo. He's running with face. penis on yeah. his face. <laughs> He's like, hey, Kellyanne, jealous? <laughs> Looks like I'm in pen 15. It's like Sean, look in the mirror like, ah. <laughs> Every day he like shows up like, hey, guys, I thought today was like onesie pajama day. Where's everyone's pajamas? Like, Sean, that was a fake email. Like, ah. <laughs> like, he's just getting fucked. Yeah, yeah. So. God. I cannot wait until the like, yeah. the Oliver Stone Trump movie where yeah. like, Josh Gad or someone plays Sean Spicer and he becomes like the sort of like crux of our sympathy. You know what I mean? He's yeah. going to be like the per the character that we like sort of watch the movie through. Like his eyes are going to be, he's going to be the one who's like, what have I done? Probably <laughs> the whole time. Anyway, that's the end. We have to keep it short because we're running out of time. We are running out of time. Um, let's quickly do a moment with um, Devil Time goes to, I mean, Devil Tongue feels extreme, but we've used it for less extreme. <laughs> I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows. Miley Cyrus, like, Mama, 
Are you trying to play my ass or what? <laughs> Are you trying to She's play done, me dude. like a harp from hell? She's done with that life. She's she's over it. She's artistically moved on from hip hop. Like, really? You should have seen my face when I clicked the Billboard interview with Miley Cyrus and was greeted with a photo shoot in a field of daisies. Right. Her in like a free people frock. Her dark roots showing through her blonde hair because she just doesn't care. Like, just sitting there, laying there with her like twangy ass banjo. I literally was like, I had to look around and be like, am I being Gus lit? Like, <laughs> huh? Sorry, dog. That's I it. I can't do on. this. <laughs> she's moved on. And then she's and my favorite is she's like, yeah, like, I started listening to hip hop and like, just so much shit about like, you know, pussies and like, what? dicks. And it was just so like, sexual and said? derogatory. I, Yes, I was like, um, like, girl, you're the one who, like, jerked off a foam finger while, like, you literally, like, wagged your tongue like a goblin. Like, what are you talking about? And also, hip-hop is all, like, I can't even, like, try to argue with that because that is so annoying. It's so just, like, cherry-picking the things that work for you when they work for you and then denouncing the whole thing. Like, we all know that there's hip hop number. If she wants hip hop that like does not include that stuff, it's not difficult it. to find. I mean, she can. Make she can it. make it. She yeah. she can make it exactly. Like I'm sorry, if this is an art form that you're like actually invested in, like, and there's a problem with it, ditching it is not a sign that you were ever like a real lover of it. It just says that you were a fucking tourist. <laughs> remember, uh, remember in like 2013 when she she was the one who brought twerking to the white American diaspora. I could put a gun in my mouth on air and pull the trigger right now. Like, I can't. That yeah. was so... Or the fucking, like, um, the dreadlocks. Those gray dreadlocks. Oh, my I don't God. But does she... When so she, like, she's not going to be, like, naked anymore and, like, no more Terry Richardson photo shoots? Or is that what it is? She, like, I think weed anymore? I think... No, she... So she's sort of, like, off and on about weed. She's saying that she, like, gave it up, but I, I think, like... I think, like, weed and nudity still fit into whatever, oh. like, hippie-ass bullshit she's doing now. So I don't know for sure if she's I done see. with that. But, like, the way in which she uses them will definitely change. Like, she won't be right. twerking. And she won't be, like, rolling a blunt. Like, she'd be smoking a joint yeah, naked right. okay. covered by, like, a fern. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Okay, so no more, like, music videos where she's singing about my Jays and, like... In a Michael Jordan jumpsuit right. with, with Will I Am. Right. What's a, what's She's like, Michael yeah, like, I just felt Mike Will made it. Like, yeah, I just feel like hip hop doesn't work for me. Smash cut to her wearing no pants in a Michael Jordan 23 jersey. Just like, smoke it, wait, and I, no, with my chains. Yeah. Oh, like sounding like a gremlin. <laughs> I mean, my big problem with Miley, like, I never thought it was fair to, like, criticize her, like, sexuality or her, like, sort of, just, like, all of her, like, naked stuff. One, because we've seen worse. And two, just, like... Yeah. Who cares? Like, I'm not a 50-year-old person who's going to just constantly be shocked by this. I don't have the energy. Like, I thought that, like, foam finger, like, jerk-off performance or where she, like, twerked on Robin Thicke, like, I just thought it, like, looked lame. Like, it looked, like, desperate. Like, I didn't, I wasn't trying to, like, shame her sexually. My only problem was this race stuff. Like, this weird dip into hip-hop. And she's just confirmed, like, every single thought we had, which was, like, you're just sort of, like, dipping. And so many people make excuses of, like, oh, well... You know, she's of a generation where, like, there's no, you know, the genres have blurred. And, yeah. you know, she's finding herself in the way that everyone who was 
born on the internet finds themselves, which is just trying on everything because everyone has access to everything. And it's like, really? Because like, it felt like an era and it worked and then she dropped it. Like, I'm not, not yeah, buying it's weird. it. Yeah, it's, it didn't feel like she was like losing relevance or something. It's weird that they just decided to change the trajectory of her career. Do you think it has anything to do with like her fan base? Maybe it's still a bunch of like Southerners who like, want her to do country and she was gonna be i don't know kind of like taylor swifting it not really making like grand political statements anymore i mean i think that like i don't think the one thing i respect about her is i really don't think she's worried about alienating any fans like i really think she's just doing her thing like i don't think she's trying to court an ignorant southern um right. base that she thinks she might have lost like i don't think that's what's happening i do think that there is, and I don't know what to, like, make of it, but there is sort of this, like, I think it is, like, a Taylor Swift influence thing, this sort of almost, like, space that's been created ever since Taylor Swift started doing pop music to, like, be the kind of, like, guitar, singer-songwriter type performer. Um, I mean, like, Gaga kind of did it with Joanne. And, I mean, this has always happened. Like, when you're an artist who wants to be taken seriously, you go back to the fucking guitar. Like, it's always the move. Like, I want to yeah. be considered serious. Like, Madonna did it with, like, the music album. It's just kind of always the visual representation of someone serious, like, sitting right. up there alone with, like, one guitarist. So right. I think, like, it's a way to get some cred back and also maybe just, like, fill in a spot that the market needs. And that's fine, but, like... The way that she just, I don't know, it's just, it's not even worth diving, I guess, that into because it's just so transparent. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just so obvious, like, what this girl's deal was. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's the end of the devil tongue rant. She gets the devil tongue. Let's give it to her right now. She gets uh, devil tongue. Uh, good. And my good friend of the week is Alamo Draft House, this great dine-in theater um, that's was that came out of Austin, Texas and is now like kind of all over the country. And they hosted female only screenings of Wonder Woman, I believe tonight and one maybe all opening weekend, starting tonight, tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday. And it caused a huge stir online from guys that were just like, really? Like, like, <laughs> are you guys gonna do men only screenings? Like, oh my God, like literally I wanna throw up. But I just think it's so tight for Alamo to do that they're like the best theater they're so awesome and I don't know I just think that that's a really cool way to honor this character and to just sort of like create this space that is going to be really like joyous and fun for like women to be in and also like I'm sure I don't know for sure if I can't say for sure but like I feel like it's sort of like a risk like I know those screenings sold out very quickly but I think to say that like we're only gonna have this you know, like, only women come in is also sort of, like, running the risk of being, like, we're throwing away money from, like, mm. boyfriends or friends that would have attended with these people. Like, unless these people are going to see it twice. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. It's maybe cool. it's actually no, worked in their good favor. No, but... I mean, they, like, are in the news now because of it, and I'm sure they sold out. They would have sold out anyway, but they, this is, like, cool, and they still sold out. If the movie sucked, it would, yeah. I mean, if the movie is bad, then that's not going to be good. But, you know, I think the people who... Yeah, I would love if everyone walks out it. hating it. Yeah, definitely. And it's cool. Like the entire staff, because it is a theater where you can order food. So, like, the entire wait staff is female and um, oh, cool. the projectionist is female. Like, everyone in that room for those screenings is going to be a woman. And I just kind of cool. think it's like, it's just cool. It's not that, you know, it's not that that wild of a, of a concept. It's just sort of like a fun screening to celebrate this person who's 
this character who's being put on the screen for the first time right on time, to be honest. I just think it's like the timing of it couldn't be better. So props to Alamo. I think that's awesome. Do you think there will be a moment where they, they, the audience and everyone claps because a round of applause for all uh, being totally women? I definitely think so. I think the movie will start with someone from Alamo, like intru- like a girl from Alamo introducing it. And I'm sure there will be like a cheer or a round of applause. I mean, the reality is like when you experience something that's that specific and special, you are just in a better mood. I mean, you just are. Like right. I've gone to sort of like secret shows or I've gone to, you know, I saw Solange at the Guggenheim like a couple weeks ago and that was like a really special show. Like I've been in places where it feels like you're there and you feel just sort of like privileged to be there and you and it just makes the experience like 10% more enjoyable and you're just excited. So I think the right. energy in that room is just going to okay. be like so positive and so fun. And like, why not? Like, why get in the way of that? Like, hmm. and no, you don't need men only screenings, but like the Entourage movie was probably that by accident. Like, to yeah. be honest, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, let people live. <laughs> True. And no, my good no, friend sure. goes... The guys are extra. What? No, continue. Go. Oh, my good friend goes to the Warriors and Steph Curry, and I hope he plays well in particular uh, to shut the haters up because they're everywhere. Haters. Okay. Yeah, haters, <laughs> get out. Haters, out of here. Yeah, yeah. I'm very triggered. Yeah. Um, okay, I agree with that. That I'm going to give a little bit of my good friend Juju over to you, so I okay, hope that thanks. happens. Thanks. Um, okay, Earth, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been episode 82, and... 82, 83 coming the way. Don't worry about it, bruh. <laughs> Don't worry about it, bruh. Okay. You like that? <laughs> I do. Okay. Um, well, Jack, right? a B movie to, to you. Nothing else to say, but B movie. B poovy. Give a little time for the child. Bee-poo. That's you. You're a B Don't be afraid right to be young and free. Undo the Bee. locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. La, 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 la. Run down the beach, kicking clouds of sand. Walk a windy weather day, feel your face blow away. Stop and listen, love you.